Shortly after George Floyd died Memorial Day weekend 2020, people began to say that what was happening in the United States bore some resemblance to what happened in China 50 years ago, the Cultural Revolution, with Red Guards and struggle sessions, public humiliations, public atonements, a kind of secular frenzy that looked very much like a hate-centered religious right, the Cultural Revolution. But was that overstatement? Well, Xi Van Fleet has seen both. She's Chinese. She was seven years old in 1966 when the Cultural Revolution started and 17 when it ended with Mao's death in 1976. And along the way, she became one of its victims. She moved to this country, to Kentucky, in 1986, and she's been here ever since. So she has seen both revolutions firsthand, and she's written a new book comparing them with a warning. It's called Mao's America. And we're grateful to have her, Shi Van Fleet, in the studio with us now. Shi, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. This is um, unbelievable that I'm here with you. Oh, I'm so grateful you are. So you were seven years old when the Cultural Revolution started, the equivalent of first grade. When, what was the moment that you realized something strange and important was happening in China? Yes. To me, my memory is it happened overnight. And overnight, I just noticed there's a lot of what's called big, character posters everywhere. It's just big pieces of paper and with uh, words written in very large letters so everyone can read it from distance, kind of like today's social media. Crude propaganda. Yes, it's really um, the uh, posters is really of people uh, denouncing others. In my school, I remember it's, uh, the papers were denouncing uh, administrators or teachers. And it's overnight, and it's just everywhere and in the cafeteria because that's the only place that a high wall that's indoor. And it's just from a ceiling, uh, from the uh, floor to the ceiling, and it's a uh, uh, class uh, stopped. And so one day I went to the uh, classroom and I saw a, a note on the blackboard. No class for three days. And that three days lasted for two years. Two years? Two years, no school. Because this school was, like all the other institutions, was shut down by the Red Guards. And the Red Guards, and uh, I think nowadays more and more Americans are familiar with that. And Red Guards were the uh, kids from uh, elementary school to universities. So they took over the country. So there's no school for two years so what, I, uh, what did we do as a kid? We went to the street. So every day we went to the street, we watched the Cultural Revolution unfolding. And that is struggle sessions, parade of those people who were denounced and eventually become violence. So it was young people aiming their rage at the behest in the direction of the central government of Mao mm -hmm. against not foreigners who threatened China, but against, against Chinese, against your own people. Yes. And it is difficult even for me to understand. And it took me a long time to understand what that cultural revolution was about. It is a revolution that Mao launched against CCP, against his own party, against his own government. Why? Because he thought he was losing influence. He thought he was uh, no longer had abs uh, absolute power. So it's really a power struggle. 
And this time, he did not use the armies. He did not have to. He had tens of millions of young people that he had indoctrinated in the government school for the past 17 years. They're ready to go. Just give them a call, say, you are now mobilized to defend, the, uh, to defend Mao and to defend communism. And that's what, uh, uh, the, uh, how they got the uh, kids all involved. And uh, very familiar to Americans now. They dismantled the uh, uh, criminal justice system. No police. Really? Just like a defund police. So the Red Guards could do anything. There are no consequences. And eventually, they start to kill. Kill their teachers, kill their principals, and they kill millions of people. Did, I mean, the normal people who are watching this, your family, I assume, um, did anybody say anything about it? Nobody can say anything just like here. Why? Because Mao openly supported them. And Mao had uh, eight uh, rallies to meet the uh, uh, Red Guards in Tiananmen Square eight times to declare that he was their Red Commander-in-Chief. And those are his little Red Guards. So there's no dissent at all, at all. And things just get progressively crazier and crazier and crazier. Did people think that this was gonna stop? No one knows. And I remember that uh, in the first, and and started, it was uh, somewhat peaceful because all they did was uh, uh, destroy the, uh, the past. In Mao's words, it's the four olds. Old ideas, old culture, old custom, and old habits. Get rid of them all. That include uh, destroy all the uh, statues. The statues mostly in Buddhist statues, Christian statues. Everything has to come down. And everything that is old has to be destroyed. So when they finish with the public uh, spaces, they went to people's homes. And I witnessed the Red Guards went to people's homes, took everything they thought was old. Old is bad. Old is something that need to be get rid of, including furniture, people's old photos, and everything. Because the goal is to get rid of the past that we can replace it with the pure Maoism. I remember reading about the Cultural Revolution years ago, reading a biography of Mao, and was so struck by how much Mao hated the Chinese, hated the country, hated the history, hated the culture, and yet he was in charge of the country. And I thought that's very strange. So we were taught that Mao was our savior. Yes. And we have songs saying that he was our savior. He made it possible for us to have a better life. Why? Because he removed these three big mountains that had been suppressing Chinese people. They're the foreign imperialism, the old feudalism, and the bourgeois or capitalism. Yes. He removed them all. That's why we could have such happy life. So no, 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 we never thought that, uh, that he hated us. No, he did. But we were taught we should be so grateful and he was our, not only savior, during the Cultural Revolution, he really became our god. Was there a, do you remember the moment that the Red Guard went from carrying slogans and yelling at people, humiliating them, to the point where they went to killing people? 
did that seem, were you shocked by that? Were people shocked by that? Actually, it started about the same time because the only, uh, in the very beginning, it only started on campuses. And, uh, and Kinney started as early as August of 1966, a few months after the Cultural Revolution. The first killing took place in a very prestigious middle school for girls. They, bunch of girls, young girls, as, as young as 12, as old as 16, they beat, tortured, and killed their principal. That was in August 1966. And uh, I was an um, elementary school uh, student. So in my school, I did not see killing, but I did see attacks by the kids. And one of the things I remember so vividly is a teacher. She is a, she, she's a, a pretty teacher, and she usually will dress kind of nicely, and that's considered bourgeois. So the, uh, the uh, kids followed her, called her names, eventually they surrounded her, and spit on her. So after a while, she was covered with spit from head to toe. And that was considered mild because she was not hurt uh, physically. The same time we heard killing happened in middle school, especially in universities. But the police were told to stay away from campuses. And if the red guards hit them, they are not allowed to hit back just like here. So what happened to you as you got older during this period? So the violence of the uh, Red Guard movement um, lasted until 1969. Yes. By then, all the power was taken down by the Red Guard for Mao. So basically, the, all the institutions all paralyzed. There's no one in charge. So they thought, okay, now, it's time for us to get some power. And then they start to fight each other for power. And that's when it's getting really, really violent. It become almost like a civil war. They raided the military, uh, institu uh, they raided the military places and got real weapon. Before it was just sticks and stones and rocks, and now it's a real weapon. And they started to kill each other the different Red Guard factions. Factions, because they thought now it's time for now for us to get power. And then exactly it's the faction. It got so bad that tanks were deployed in cities where there's a lot of defense factory. And that's not that far from where I live. And, uh, and it was not safe by then for us to go to the street. One day, a stray bullet landed under our window when we have dinner. So it was, and it was so bad that one day, I described in my book that we were outside and we heard this really awful Chinese funeral music. And then words came back that they have a corp parade. So it's one faction of the Red Guards try to gain public uh, sympathy. So they had the people that were killed by the other faction on the parade. That is uh, the time that Mao got rid of them. So they, basically they were his creation. He gave them all this power yes. to consolidate his own. Mm -hmm. But once they became a threat to him, he did what? He suppressed them. Yeah. Sent the military to suppress them. So they 
uh, I, we don't know the number, the real number, but he killed tens of thousands of Red Guard. And then eventually he got them together, the leaders, and said, you disappointed me. And then just like that, the whole movement was dismantled and they all sent to the countryside. Many of them sent to the virgin land, like a gulags, to be re-educated through physical labor. And that's how you become real communists. You can't just do the, uh, uh, what you did in the city. You have to be uh, really go through hard labor to become real communists. And off they go. And for, from 1969, from that time on, all city kids from high school were sent to the countryside. And when I graduated from high school um, in 1975, I was too sent to the countryside and doing the physical uh, labor that was very primitive. And I stayed there for three years after Mao died and after Deng Xiaoping reopened universities. That's how I could go to college to study. What did you do in the countryside? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that is not a farm. So a lot of people think about the countryside, they think about farm, no. Yeah, C countryside here is a good thing. Yeah, no, no, no. It's a, a commune. Every a rural area was arranged or organized as commune. Commune is collective farming. So in the commune, there are a lot of production teams. And uh, so it's all run by the CCP. So what I did is uh, every day we would gather in the meeting place of the production team and the leader would tell us what to do. So we do their work and we get a point. And then in the harvest time, you use the point to get some uh, uh, produce, grain or potato or whatever. To get food. To get food, yeah. So I not only experienced and witnessed the whole cultural revolution, I also got three years work in the fields and get to know how peasants live. Those peasants put Mao in power. He mobilized the whole peasantry and promised them free land. They put them in power. After the, culture, uh, after the uh, revolution succeeded yes. in 1949, they peasants, the, the same people that put them into power found them in the very bottom of the society. And they were the ones that could not leave their land because of the, uh, uh, it's called a huko. It's like a household registration system. Yes. So they could not, they become serfs. They just really live a life of the poorest. And uh, so, and I kind of, in a way, I'm glad I get a chance to be with them and to know that this is communism. This is socialism, supposedly, to liberate them from the oppression of the oppressors, and they, they end up way more worse off than before. And during the famine in 1959 to 1962, up to 50 of them starved to death, the peasants. 50 million. 50 million. Unbelievable. So you're there three years. So you're there from 75 to 78. And then eight years later, you're in the United States. How did you get here and why did you come here? So I was so lucky that I was able to go to college 
at the uh, um, age of 19, which is still not, because I was sent to the countryside when I was only 16. So after I uh, got my degree, I was given a job. You don't just get a job, you were given a job. So I was given a job to teach in a teacher's college. And uh, in the early 80s, uh, more and more Americans um, come to China to volunteer to teach during the summer. So there I met um, a wonderful lady. Her name is Pat Maeve. We become friends. And uh, she wanted to help me to come to America. And uh, so, true to her words, she did help me. She got a citizenship uh, for me and she sponsored me. So in 1986, I never dreamed that would happen to me. And I got my visa and I was on my way to America. Amazing. Amazing. And you went to Kentucky. Kentucky. Western Kentucky University. <laughs> so you lived here, you married an American, you lived in this country, it sounds, happily from, let's just say, 86 to 2020. Mm -hmm. George Floyd gets killed, and all of a sudden, in a day, the country changes. What did you notice about those early days, late May, early June 2020, and what did it make you think as you watched it? It's a long time coming because uh, I start to notice things earlier, even as early as 1990s. And I remember in a class that I took, and it's about special education, when the, uh, the uh, Act of uh, American Disability. The ADA, Americans yes, with Disabilities, yeah. 1990, 91. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And the teacher was telling us, you know, now, you know, that they are protected. And uh, as uh, uh, teachers, um, that we should, I just took the class, but there are others that were uh, special ed teachers, that we should be very, very respectful. And we should never say blind. We should say people with vision, uh, impaired vision, something like that. I don't even remember. And I was so impressed. I said, the Americans are the nicest people. They try, you know, <laughs> to be nice and not, you know, not hurt people's feelings. And now we know, right? During the process, and we were taught, uh, you, you can't say uh, vision uh, impaired. Now it's something, something, something different. And now you know what? What's the correct way to call the, those people? Blind. Blind. Yeah, according to Stanford. Now that is the correct way. So that just remind me of uh, the Cultural Revolution, that there is only one correct way of uh, thinking, of talking, and if you don't do it, you're getting into trouble. So I just noticed- So when the language started changing and people announced that, you know, from here on out, we're calling X, Y, mm -hmm. we're calling, I don't know, Peking, Beijing, or <laughs> the Orient Asia, or whatever, the blind, visually impaired, that reminded you of the Cultural Revolution. A little bit. I'm just saying, if you ask me what I noticed, yeah. that was something I noticed. Because I noticed later, you can't say that. You can't, there's so many things you can't say, or you have to say it differently. And who tell you? The authority tell you. That's the correct way of saying, saying things, and that's the correct way of basically thinking. Okay, but still, I did not lose my uh, sleep over those things. And until later, and uh, um, in my book, I did say Trent Law probably is the thing, the person that came to my mind that I can really pin down. The moment I really say, 
this kind of really like cultural revolution. I don't even know the story, whatever. He was called a racist because he said something. I said, that really sounds like cultural revolution. You say something and your life is over. Trent Lott was a Republican senator from Mississippi who went to the funeral of the longest serving Republican senator from South Carolina, Strom Thurmond, and praised him at his funeral. And for that, he was... Forced to resign, right? Yes. Yeah. And that is that really made an impression on me. I think that's just like cultural revolution. And, uh, but things get from uh, bad to worse. And it, it was way before 2020 that I noticed things is really, really going wrong. Because in the workplace, I was uh, uh, invited to be a member of DNI. Back then, it's DNI, um, Diversity and Inclusion yes. Council. And I noticed every member is, has identity there. And I just realized this is not really about uh, uh, making people work together, help people work together. It's more like a, um, political identity. Yes. And uh, but things, you know, got so much bad in the uh, uh, 2020. When I saw the Antifa and the BMN burning our cities, I said, "This is no longer some kind of troubling sign here. There, this is a full." blowing Marxist revolution. This is exactly what I noticed uh, or what I witnessed during the Cultural Revolution. So I said, I got to do something. I have to get involved one way or the other. And that's the end of uh, uh, 2020. I got involved with the Loudoun, Republican, um, Loudoun County Republican Committee. And uh, after that, and uh, we get emails, you know, ask us to go to school board and uh, I was never, never involved politically to go and, and give a public speech. It was just intimidating to me. And, but I got so much support from uh, the members say, I said, I don't even have children in school at that time. They said, it doesn't matter. We're all um, taxpayers. And then you should have uh, go there and, and voice your, uh, your opinion. So I said, okay, okay. I've, I've been very alarmed about what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. The uh, communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. And back then, you know, you have to wear a mask. I said, thank God, I have to wear a mask yeah. and that to cover, you know, hide myself. Yeah. So I went there and I did that. And I have no clue. I have no clue. What happened after that? Well, I, ha I have to say one of the, the features, just as a foreigner reading about it, of the Cultural Revolution that's always struck with me is the mass hysteria, mm -hmm. rational people becoming irrational, mm -hmm. people going crazy, getting caught up in this frenzy and really believing things that are, that are absurd. I want to show you a piece of tape um, from the United States. This is after George Floyd's uh, drug overdose death. Um, and this is a table of affluent white ladies who have paid money to be told they're racist. And I just want to get your view of this. Watch this. Actually, Margaret, you didn't say yours. What? Your racist thing. Thing that you've done. Thought about or I done. Know. You have yeah. something inside of you that's not quite, like, that's racist. 
So you must have you must have examples in your own life. Well, I also work in environmental engineering. I have absolutely no people of color or minimal people of color, possibly with exclusion of being slightly Hispanic. No. I mean, Saira doesn't like her attitudes. I can say a racist thing you've done because it just happened. When you just talked to me the way you just did, this is how white women talk to us all the time. These are microaggressions. And I say the exact same thing to my white girlfriend who says the same exact thing. I don't care if you talk to everybody like that. Okay. Right? The way you just spoke to me was straight up white supremacy. You actually just answered with racism. White supremacy so is said to be hidden in innocuous phrases and banal behavior. The smallest things could be considered racist. It's enough that a person from a minority group feels insulted. Absolutely. Sounding terribly white. I don't know that I was all that racist to start with, but I also would be more aware or hyper aware of my thoughts or reactions to circumstances that would be racist. So here we have privileged white ladies being barked at by even more privileged non-white ladies about their sins and the white ladies are loving it. Like, what is that? That's a struggle session. Yeah. And that's something that everyone have to go through. In the, during the Cultural Revolution, in, in the very beginning, there was those in power that was taken down by the Red Guards. They were struggled against in the so-called struggle session. That was brutal. Some of them were killed right there in a public trial. But everyone have to go through the gentler, form of struggle session, and that's called criticism and self-criticism. So as kids, we will have that kind of a struggle session every week, and we will sit together, and after you know, referring some of the mouse quotes, and we will uh, criticize self, you start with yourself, and you would say, and I did this and that, not quite up to the requirement by Mao's instruction. And, uh, and, and I still have this bourgeois influence in me. And, uh, and then everyone will join and say, yes, you're right. You did this and this that day. You said this and this that day. And then we go around. So we struggle against others and we're against ourselves. So to get rid of every little incorrect thoughts, from our mind. That's what it is. So China is, I mean, overwhelmingly Han Chinese. So you're, you're not gonna have racial lines in a country that's got one race. Um, but if you take the race stuff out, white supremacy, it, it's identical, right? Identity politics. That's exactly what it is. In China, it started with class. Yes. And they divide the whole population into two classes, red class and the black class. And you can figure out pretty much what it means. Red, uh, the correct class, and the black is the incorrect class. Those are the uh, property owners, landlords, or people with bourgeois uh, worldview. They're all black class. So they are the enemy of the state. We all look alike, right? But that's how China was divided uh, by Mao. And I'm talking about identity. It's not something, you, you know, you say, oh, okay, I'm black class. No, you are black class, and that is your identity. And that is required in every government document. Just like here, race, you have to figure out, you, you have to fill out what you race. 
what your race is. There, you have to fill out what your class is. And then you pass it down to your children and your children's children, and you will forever be the enemy of the state. And here, we, ha we still have class. You know, both Bernie Sanders still talk about 1% versus 99%. Yes. But race is the most potent way to divide America. And that's just exactly the same thing that happened in China. What, maybe another similarity is that the people who are screaming about privilege themselves have the most privilege, right? I mean, yeah. so the, the people leading the struggle sections were obviously more privileged than the people being interrogated, correct? It's in the revolution. Most of the revolution, you can see who started. It's usually the elite. Yes. Mao was from a rich family. Yes. Yeah. All his comrades are from rich family. Only people from rich family had the time to entertain how to start a revolution. <laughs> exactly the same. And then they turned the people against the other elite. And that is always the case because they want people fight against each other and that's how they control them. So as, as you're starting to notice these things, do you tell your husband who's American, your children who are born here, your friends who are American, do you say, wow, this looks like what I grew up with? Do you tell anybody that? That is a mistake that I've made. That for a long, long time, I never really talked much about my past. Yes. Because I want to forget it myself. I get I, it. It's yeah. unpleasant. It's awful. And uh, no, I haven't uh, shared a lot of the stories with my family and uh, with my colleagues. A lot of them are like, oh, she had such an interesting story. Because it's awful things that you want to forget. Yes. And that is the mistake that I made. And that is the mistake the conservative made. They never really uh, fight for uh, the uh, schools to teach the horror of communism. People don't know. People have no idea. And uh, when I went to that school board and gave that speech, I think a lot of them have probably the first time heard such a thing as cultural revolution. Yes. That's why, that's I say, when we, people like me who live through communism, we saw through it right away. The Americans have no clue. That's why they don't realize what was happening here in 2020 and what's happening now is communist takeover. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It is communist takeover. When you say that to Americans, how do they respond? I think more and more started to uh, see it. But many told me they never, they don't know anything about Cultural Revolution. They know very little about communism. They thought communism was defeated. Burning war was torn down. It's over. And uh, I think that's the mistake the conservative made. Tell us about your speech at, at the Loudoun event. It's only one minute. And uh, um, so the only thing I can say is that what's happening in our school and how you push the CRT just to me, it's just the repeat of the Cultural Revolution. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers again turn against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, we were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroy anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. <clears throat> we are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. 
The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. What kind of response did you get? Well, people applaud, and then my minute was over, and I was just, you know, I really, I just left the meeting, and uh, because I took time off my work, I have to go back and make up the time. So I thought everyone knew it. Cultural revolution, who doesn't? Well, then I got a course in later, and people want to interview, and I realized, my God, people just don't know. Americans do not know. Why, and wh why don't you think, why don't they know? I think it's on purpose. That is absolutely, to me, I'm convinced it's on purpose. They do not want to teach communism, and they do not teach the horror or the history of communism, because those are in control. They are Marxists. They want to use the same tactics to gain power. That's why it's not taught. It's not taught at all. And as later uh, from my uh, Twitter uh, follower, and uh, I, I see comments like, in school we learned slavery, and everyone knows slavery, everyone knows uh, Nazi Germany, but we never taught communism. And that's why people don't know what's going on today. Yeah, because they that history has been withheld from them. Yes. Um, do you notice similarities in between uh, Mao's attempt to destroy Chinese culture, history, language, and our government's attempt to to hide our history and change our history, lie about our history to the population. That's exactly the same thing. History is so important. And as we know that uh, whoever control uh, the present, control the past. And whoever control the past, control the future. That's what uh, um, CCP did when they took over China in 1949. They totally took over the uh, educational system. They remade the curriculum, but what they really put their energy and the focus on is to rewrite history. Yeah. So the history that I learned, and even today I have to get rid of uh, all this misinformation that I received as a, as a schoolgirl and later in college, all uh, uh, fictional, absolutely fictional. And that, but that's how they control you. And you believe, just as I said earlier, you believe that communists, uh, the CCP is our savior. Mao is our savior to, uh, to, to save us, to liberate us. Now we heard that word too, right? To liberate us from the oppression of those, uh, you know, impressionism, uh, imperialism, uh, uh, feudalism, and capitalism. And you believe it. And people ask me, uh, did you question? I said, how could I question? I was told one thing, I have no access to other information. I could not think. Thinking, I think in, uh, uh, requires you know something, you have information, you have different sources of information, and hopefully you can you know, uh, go through them and come up with your own uh, conclusion. That's critical thinking, right? When you have only one information, you can't think. I can yes. only think one way. That's mouse way, that's the correct way. And I have been like that for a long time. Some people will say that they see through things during the culture, not me. I'm totally into it, I am totally accept everything I was told. No matter how absurd it, it was, I accept it. Because party can't be wrong, Mao can't be wrong. You've seen the, the whole cycle, I mean you're born 10 years after the 
communist revolution and you you know you you watched the whole cycle of it um so given that where do you think things are going in this country right now where are we in that progression people ask me that a lot you know it, it is really really decades in the making in america after the uh, um, the 60s uh, when the marxists took over all universities they have been creating generations not just one generation generations of marxists or people who absolutely um, follow that those ideologies now they are in our institutions in every institutions including educational system corporations uh, government and even our military it is everywhere so i always say that the infiltration of uh, communism is complete in this country and uh, so it is it is really really we're in dire situation so what do we do well we have to start from uh, educating people and to wake people up by telling them history by telling them that what's going on here is nothing new it happened before not that long ago it happened to me 50 years ago, the witness, the survivors are still here trying to tell American people this is communist revolution. And the goal is to destroy this country. And the goal is for uh, the globalists, I always say globalists, to take power. Can it be stopped? It has to be stopped. So we have to wake people up, get involved. And uh, sometimes I feel so... Um, just feel like uh, there's no hope, but many times I do feel like there's a great hope. I have been invited to talk to so many people around the country, and I met people who are parents who never involved politically, just like me, but they are involved now. They're fighting. They're fighting in the trenches. And uh, so I say there's a hope. There's a great hope. And uh, we can't just fight because we kind of figure we might win. To me, we have to fight because we believe in it. And what I believe in is America. And so there's no choice but to fight. People who grew up in this country, most I know, uh, assume um, that it can never get too out of control here. Yes, there's a revolution going on. We're living through it right now. But because it's America, that revolution will never entail the killing of a lot of people. All revolutions end up killing a lot of people, but ours won't somehow. What do you think? Just looking out on the streets and the campus today, look at those people who have no empathy because their empathy is uh, uh, guided by the, uh, the ideology. That ideology is Marxist ideology about oppressors and oppressed. The worldview is looking everything in terms of who is the oppressor, and who is oppressed. And that is absolutely communist worldview. And for those who are oppressed, anything they do to the oppress uh, or the oppressor is justified. That includes murder, um, kidnap, and raping. This is all justified, just like the Cultural Revolution. And that's what's happening in today's America. Those are the absolute result of decades of indoctrination. So people with no empathy will kill. Will kill. And today they're just out there accepting, justifying, and celebrating violence 
it's only a short step away from committing violence. Those kids in China that killed their, uh, their principal, their teachers, they're not monsters. They're not. They were actually, most of them were from uh, very prestigious uh, universities and, uh, and high schools. You know, I mean, the parallels are unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they So killed. the Chinese Harvard was more radical than the Chinese HVAC repair Absolutely. school. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The Cultural Revolution started in Tsinghua and the Beijing University, the top of the top. And uh, those, the Red Guards that committed murders were the best of the best, supposedly. And then they kill. And there's one, one short step that we'll see this happen if we don't stop it. Um, when you say that, do people take you seriously, do you think, in this country? Do they believe you? I think the people who listen to me, yes, they believe me. And, and that's why I think it's, I play a very, very important role. Because I'm telling people not something I just learned from books or just I did some research. It is from my lived experience, using the left uh, terminology. I lived through it. I saw it. And absolutely, this can happen here. And this will if we don't stop it. So, but our system was supposed to, we were taught growing up that our system would never allow something like this to happen because it's a democracy mm -hmm. and the people are in charge and you can vote them out if you don't like them. I know, I know. What do yeah, you think of that? I love what uh, uh, John Adams said. Our system, our constitution is made for moral and the religious people and it won't work for any other. And the constitution is still there. The rule of law is still there, but the people have changed. And that is what's happening today. We are dealing with Marxist and communist who control our institution. And so they can use this uh, democratic process and carry out their agenda and destroy everything on the path. So the process itself is irrelevant. It depends on the intent of the people. Yeah, and people have changed. The people have really changed. Why do you think that? Why do you think they've changed? Indoctrination. Decades. And just, just think about it. From the 60s, it's several decades. That's the power of indoctrination. That's why I always tell people, the only way for us to win the war is, is uh, to uh, get our school back get our university back, and of course, media. Because those are the institutions that are um, shaping people's mind, and they are all in the hands of Marxists. What motivates Marxists? Power. Power. When you think that way, everything's easier to see. I did not know why Mao would uh, just launch this revolution that destroy everything, destroy people's lives, my life, and never. Power. Power. He wants to launch the Cultural Revolution because he wants to have absolute power, and he did. In the process, he become not just the supreme leader, he become our god. In China today, are average people aware that the Cultural Revolution happened? Are they upset about it? Do they talk about it? That is a great question. I think it's so important for people to understand. People in power, they want to control history, and they want to uh, erase inconvenient history. Yes. And that's exactly what happened in China. Young people were not taught cultural revolution. And uh, when they uh, talk about it, 
they were told that was the anti-corruption campaign. That's it. And the young people, many of them never heard about the Tiananmen massacre because it was not in the history book, not taught, forgotten. All the history of the atrocities by the CCP were not taught to the new generation. Is it, I mean, if it's not uh, very reassuring that the political party that killed tens of millions of people is still in power. Absolutely, <laughs> because they control the history. Yeah. You don't know. And young people don't know, and old people dare not to talk about it. And that's happening here. We don't know history. People who know, a lot of them don't want to talk about it. My last question to you. You survived all of this, this, this first revolution. What advice would you give to Americans for how to respond to our revolution right now happening in this country? I would say you understand what's going on. Only when you understand what's going, you can fight back. Otherwise, you can't fight something you don't understand. Yes. And it's not some kind of crazy kind of a Democrats that they, they just do some crazy things. No, this is absolutely a full-blown communist revolution. And the goal is very simple. It's just one, destroy this country so some people can have total control of power. So it has nothing to do with improving anybody's life. No. And if you, want to, if you want to save this country and save it for your children and your children's children, you have to get involved. You have to fight back as your life depends on it. With that, Xi Van Fleet, thank you very much. Thank you. And congratulations on this book. Thank you. Horrifying as it is. It is. Thank you. Thank you. Free speech is bigger than any one person or any one organization. Societies are defined by what they will not permit. What we're watching is the total inversion of virtue.